0: Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? We always want to understand. We don't know why. Maybe it's because we were made that way. We travel to the stars and look at the smallest things, create new wonders and learn about the old. Science is so cool and people are so smart. We learn more all the time. Some people think answering questions takes away the magic. That science can explain all the miracles away. But I think the more questions we answer, the bigger my God becomes. My God Is a big God. The Bible is just a book, but these words mean something. These words that tell stories of kings and queens, wars and miracles, giants and demons, fires that do not burn, and men who walked on water the broken and their savior. I wonder if we can still believe in those things, even if we haven't seen them, even if science can't tell us why or how. They say it still speaks to us today. They say it's a love story between God and people, that it gives us direction, shows us how to really live, That the words can mean different things to different people at different times. God still uses the Bible. He talks to us through a book. He is still talking, still loving, still working miracles.
1: in the book of 2 Timothy this morning, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. If you brought your Bible with you, you could turn there. If not, the scripture will be on the screen behind me when we get to that point. Have you ever been close enough to someone else where you could hear and feel them breathing? Maybe you have been when you have, I'm thinking of several different moments, thinking of when I hold one of my children close, And our breaths kind of synchronize, you know, when they're they're laying on me or sitting in my lap. And as I breathe in, they breathe in and I can hear them breathing. When you lay beside a loved one at night and you can hear the sound of breathing. I know sometimes it's snoring for people like me, but you hear the sound of the breath coming in and out of their lungs. If you've ever been on a team, like maybe a football team, you get in a huddle together and you can hear everyone breathing. And if it's a cold w- w- game, which was one of my favorites to play in when I played football, to see the, the, the steam coming out of your teammates' mouth and all just huddling together and sharing that moment of team and trying to figure out how to, how to be successful amidst the other ones, amidst the other team. When you kiss someone you desperately love, a spouse, And you can feel that breath. When we enter into that sense of intimacy, into that idea of of seeing and feeling and hearing the breath of someone else, there's no hiding in those moments. There's no pretending to be someone that you're not. Because when you enter a space that's that close, there's no way you can pretend. Now, I can pretend to a lot of people, but when I am face-to-face, nose-to-nose with my wife, there's no pretending. There's no lying as we look into each other's eyes. Scripture tells us, the one we will read this morning, that Scripture itself is like God's breath, that it is God-breathed, and that through Scripture, God breathes on us. And so from our perspective on this Planet. There is no better way to know God, who God is, what God wants, our relationship with God, God's will for the entire world, than to read his word, to be breathed on by the Spirit of God, through the words written in the pages of our holy Bibles. Have you ever been breathed on? You see, you have a gift in front of you today if you brought your Bible with you if it's sitting open in your hand or in your lap or it's sitting beside you because you know that you'll open it in a moment or it'll be on the screen if you left your personal Bible at home. Either way, any of those ways, you have a gift. You have something in your hands and something to which you have access that up until this point in world history was considered almost impossible. The idea that that you could have the Holy, inspired word of God in your home, in the palm of your hand, on your electronic device. That we could shoot beams of light on a screen and that that word could be delivered to your eyes and into your soul. It's a gift. A gift that we often take for granted. And a gift that we today, as well as hopefully we have been and will be, that we will take a stand in our church, and hopefully in our homes, and in your own personal lives, to once again recognize the value of the gift of God's word, to let him breathe upon you and breathe him in. You see, this this book, that while it is just pages bound together with leather or some other material, these words, as that video said, there is something special about them. They were composed over about 1,600 years, 40-something authors. They have been printed 5 billion times by some people's estimations. Selling hundreds of thousands of copies in the United States every year, selling about a million at least worldwide every year, and that's selling. We're not even talking about the Bibles that organizations like the Gideons give away. This book is the most read, the most delivered, the most translated into thousands of different languages. It has given more people on earth more hope than any other work of literature or any other speech ever has. It is the gift of God's word, God's will, the very person of who God is to us and to you. And so when you hold a Bible in your hand, you don't just hold a book, you hold these words. These words of God, the breath of God. This morning as we kick off our Word 511 Home Connection campaign and three-week sermon series, I want us to focus on the value of Scripture. God's word is the oxygen for the body of Christ. God's breath is what gives us the capacity to move forward. In the same way that when I take a deep breath and I breathe in the air that is around us, I'm breathing in several different elements, nitrogen, oxygen, and a lot of other trace elements. But oxygen is what gives my body fuel. Uh, It's what my, my lungs take in and my blood turns into energy that goes to my muscles and fires them off so that I can do the things that my brain is telling my body to do. It's what even allows my brain through the nervous system to communicate with the other parts of my body because there is oxygen within my bloodstream. Without that oxygen, and this is basic human science, without that oxygen, every system within my body would eventually cease without oxygen long enough. But because I breathe in, I'm empowered to walk, to talk, to love, to do all of the things that are necessary for human life, and Scripture is the same for the body of Christ. It empowers us. It allows us to do that which we are called to do, to minister, to disciple, and to love the way that Christ would have us. And Paul, speaking to the young man that he mentored, Timothy, a pastor, He writes these words, famous words about Scripture, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Again, this is Paul writing to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, Paul is nearing the end of his communication with Timothy, this young man that he mentors. He's about to cease communication. He's about to let Timothy out on his own And in that time, one of the main things that Paul wants to do is to give Timothy the one source of advice and leadership that he will always need to keep in his life. It's as if he is sending his son off to college, or he is saying goodbye to a student of his that he had for several years, and he's saying, here's one thing that I want to take with you. I'm not going to personally be around to give you advice anymore. Here's what I want you to take, and it is the word of God the true source of wisdom and power because all human wisdom eventually fails but God's does not Isaiah fifty-five eleven. so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth it shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it says God God's word does not return to him void. God's word does not fail. If we are looking for advice, for leadership, for guidance in 2017 or any other year for that matter, God's word is the first and last place we should turn. Trusting human wisdom over God's is like trusting a thief to give you good financial advice. You see, all of our wisdom is slanted. All of our wisdom is selfish. When I give anyone advice, I would like to think that I'm coming from a good place, but I'm also coming from a human place. I'm coming from what is, is going on in my own head and in my own heart, despite how much I would like to get rid of all of those things and just share the word of God, even right here, right now, every Sunday morning, when I try to preach the word of God to you, I do that through my human lens, through my imperfect lens. And so that means that sometimes I make mistakes, sometimes I say things that aren't necessarily true, and what we need to be doing, what you need to be doing, is to be plugged into the one source that is always true, that is never with error, that never fails to teach us and to direct our paths, and that if we have our words and our minds hidden and buried in the word of God, even when human advice leads us astray, the advice and word of God will lead us back. So what kind of wisdom do you want to live your life by? Human wisdom? How's that working out for us? In 2017. How how is the world looking through the guidance of human wisdom? We've had some great thinkers over the history of humankind. Especially since the renaissance when we started keeping track of everything and recording all of these words. Some great human philosophy has come out. To know thyself and to thine own self be true and and all of these little platitudes that we love to throw out. How is that working for us? How is human wisdom leading us in this world and in this day? What kind of wisdom do you want to live your life by? Human wisdom or God's wisdom? More importantly, those of you who are raising children, and when I say raising, I don't just mean they're living in your house. They could be 60 years old and you could still be raising them. Those of you who have any influence over anyone on this earth, what sort of wisdom do you want to leave behind? Worldly wisdom or godly wisdom? Paul is about to leave Timothy, and he wants to give him the one source of true wisdom. May we have that same desire in our own lives and to leave that for others as well. And he tells Timothy that this scripture equips him and prepares him for every good work. Look at all of the different things, reproof and correction. It is good for the salvation, knowing Jesus Christ. All of these things that we need to do in the Christian life, every step that we need to take. Paul tells Timothy that God's word equips us for that. Every good work. There is nothing in life for which the word of God does not equip us. It should be our primary instruction book, textbook, however you want to look with it, look at it for every single element of our lives. Our walk with God. That's the most obvious and the most clear. If we want to know about God, we should read the things that God has said that makes sense. It's very easy. The life of the church. Again, that seems pretty simple to think that in the life of the church we should turn to Scripture, but a lot of times in church we kind of go into that kind of political mode that we do in in any other human environment. When I say political, I don't mean inherently bad. I know that's what we think with politics, but I mean just working within systems and with people and, and trying to figure things out instead of going back and relying on the Word of God. And the way that we work in the way that we handle ourselves at our job and with our, our workmates, with our coworkers, Are we letting the Word of God equip us to share the gospel in those settings? Are we letting the Word of God equip us to know how to be a good boss if we are a boss, or to know how to deal with a bad boss if we are under someone else? Are we allowing the Word of God to show us how that we should walk through conflict in work? And the same goes for those of you who are still in school. Are we allowing the word of God to give us a love for learning and a love for knowing more and more about the world that God created so that God can prepare us and equip us for all of the good works that he is calling us to? Are we allowing God's word to intrude in our hearts and in our minds enough if we are in school that it will tell us how we should treat others, maybe that are mistreated by those that are around them? Are we allowing the word of God to affect the way that we vote, to affect the way that we live in the public sphere, the way that we look at the law and hopefully obey the law of of, of the land as God tells us to? Are we looking at God's scripture? Are we looking at God's word when we think about our own health, when we think about our own wealth, our bank account, everything that we do, the food that we eat, the time that we spend, the activities that we get involved in? And certainly are we looking to the word of God, the primary source of instruction and direction for those of us who call ourselves Christians and followers of God? Are we looking to God's word in the way that we love our families? Because I know that sometimes we can get so busy with life and everything that life has to throw at us that adding a time of reading Scripture together with our families might seem like just one more thing to do and just one thing that gets thrown on at the end of the day that we don't have time for. Let me ask you the question again. What wisdom do you want to leave for your families? Do you want to leave them with the wisdom of the world the wisdom of worldly books, worldly music? Do you want to leave them with the wisdom that they are getting from their friends at school and from teachers that you may or may not agree with? Do you even want to leave them with the wisdom that you know comes from your mouth that is sometimes imperfect? Or do you want to leave them with the wisdom of the one true perfect source of wisdom, the word of God? And if you do, then you have time for it. If you do care about imparting this word to the next generation, if it is really something that is in your heart and in your mind that you know you not only need to do but that you want to do, you will make time for it. And you will equip yourself and those that you love for every good work that God has called us to you see, one thing that we often miss in this passage, because we focus so much on verse 16, it's one of the most famous verses in the New Testament, especially in Paul's writings. But we miss what Paul says about Timothy in the previous verses. He tells Timothy to go back with that he which, with which he was acquainted with, with which he was acquainted, to go back to the ancient writings that he had studied from his childhood. Meaning What? Meaning that as Paul says elsewhere in Scripture, Timothy should be grateful for his heritage. He should be grateful for his mother and grandmother that are mentioned elsewhere in Paul's writings that have taught him these Scriptures. The reason why Timothy even is where he is at this point, being a pastor that Paul is mentoring, being someone that Paul was about to set out completely on his own to go and do the great commission of Jesus Christ, the reason why he is at that point is because from a very early age, someone was pouring into him, not just themselves, but the very word of God, the breath of God, the inspiration of God. And so may we follow suit, parents, grandparents, those of you who have any sort of authority or teaching over anybody else, influence over anybody else. The best possible thing we can do for our children is to teach them to love God and love his word. That is the one single thing to which we are all called is to impart into the next generation, children, grandchildren, people we are mentoring, people we have influence over, is to impart to that next generation a love for the one true God and the true word of that true God. So what are you teaching? What are you imparting? This sermon is not to make you feel guilty. I know that often when I think about how seldom I read Scripture with my family and how much I want to, I can be pushed into that area of guilt and left useless. That's not at all what I'm encouraging. I never want you to leave feeling guilty. I want you to leave feeling motivated. I want you to leave feeling encouraged to take the next steps. And in thinking along those lines, we have... Some things we would like to give you to help you with that, uh, Sally Greer, through our home Connection Center, has, has helped us prepare all of this and get it ready. This is the word five eleven campaign that we 've been telling you about for the last couple of weeks that we are going to do um, within the package that the envelope that all of you will get on your way out uh, will be at each of the doors handing these out. There are several things in them. Um, there's a letter from the church just telling you, uh, you know that we, we care about you, we want you to read scripture. And explaining the basics, uh, but there 's also this this Bible at home roadmap, which is kind of the the, uh, the meat uh, of of this envelope and, and it tells you the the different parts of the word five eleven uh, to read the Bible individually by yourself, five times a week at least. If you're already doing that every day, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, but if you're not, it's an opportunity for you to make this a part of your life. Uh, there are certain things you can uh, use in your own quiet time, some, some practical encouragements for you to use in your own reading of the Bible individually. Uh, and then to that's the first, that's the five. And, and then the one, the second letter in, in, in the whole thing is to read if you are married, to invo- somehow involve your spouse in your study of the Word of God at least once a week. Uh, it could be talking about what you've been reading individually and sharing what God is is telling you through His Word. It could be reading a portion of Scripture together one evening before you before you fall asleep. It could be reading before you get up and before you leave in the morning. Um, but doing that once together as as a spouse. Uh, and as we've done with these in the past, if you're not married, I encourage you to find someone that you can share this with, a good friend uh, that maybe you can m- talk with once a week and talk about what's going on uh, in your study through the scripture. Uh, and then the final one is to at least once a week with your entire family, everyone that you're living with in your household, uh, to spend time together in the word of God. Again, that could be doing a family family Bible study, Uh, It could be doing some kind of devotional that's age-appropriate for your children. Uh, It could be, uh, again, just talking about what God is is showing each of you in your time through the Scriptures. And so I want to encourage you to to pick that up. This is, like I said, kind of the meat of that. But there's some other things in there as well, uh, such as uh, this this family memorizing Scripture. Uh, There's this laminated card uh, that you can take with a dry erase marker, and you can write for your entire family to memorize one Scripture a week. During this process, you'll have three scriptures memorized by the time that we're done, uh, and you'll be on uh, a good start. There's all sorts of other things at the Hope Connection Center as well. Uh, There's a date night activity that you could do with your spouse. Uh, There's something for older children, something for younger children. Uh, We have these bookmarks if you want to give them to the younger children. Those of you who are uh, using smartphones, uh, there's this really cool sticker that you can pull off and put on the back of your phone, uh, and then you can check off five days a week just to make sure that you are keeping up with this challenge that you're giving to yourself. So all of that stuff is in the Home Connection Center, uh, along with a, uh, a couple of like Bible themed baskets. Scripture baskets that we are going to give away at the end of all of this. Uh, If you would like to sign up for one of those, Sally should be at the Home Connection Center after the service. Uh, Go check that out. I want to encourage you to do that. But pick one of these up on your way out. And don't forget, as far as honoring Scripture as an entire church, don't forget about this. I told you about this last week. If those of you who weren't here to hear it, what we're doing is we're trying to read the Bible around the clock as a church body. And so if you would like to sign up to be a part of that, there are several blanks still left open for the first two days that's monday and tuesday september 18th and 19th i think is the week that we are starting uh, and so if you would like to sign up for that i would i would love that or you just write your name down and your phone number uh, the person who is at 8 o'clock on Monday morning will start with Genesis 1 1. They'll read for 30 minutes or an hour, however much you sign up for, and then they'll call the next person on the list and tell them where they t- left off, and then you could take it over from there. And we're also encouraging, I didn't mention this last week, we're also encouraging those of you who have Facebook, social media, if you want to stream that live uh, so that the, the Word of God could actually be being spoken over the airwaves of the internet opposed to what is there a lot of times, um, then you can do that. There's a hashtag that that you can use if you want to do that. I know that doesn't mean anything to most of you, which is fine, uh, but I encourage you to, to look at that To read Scripture together as a body, and let's see how long and how far we can go. Now, by the end of this series, so by September seventeenth of that Sunday, we would like for all of the blanks to be filled in, so that there's no like free time between them. I know we're we're signing up at different times. I signed up for the two a.m. time slot this morning. Um, I don't know if Cheryl's going to appreciate that or not, but I signed up for that early. Uh, And so, I encourage you to go in and fill the blanks if you are not person. Go in and sign up for the 2.30 or the 3 a.m. If you're a morning person, you wake up at 4 o'clock, sign up for one of those time slots. If we start to get this one filled up, we'll put the next couple of days on the list as well. But we want to do this because we believe in the power of the Word of God. And so we practically want that to be in our hearts personally, in our minds personally, in, in the words of conversation that we have with our spouse. We want it to be in, in the fabric of our, of our homes where we share not only life and food and time with each other, but we share the word of God, the one true thing that can satisfy our soul, that we share that with one another in our homes, and that we do that as a church as well. Because once again... Don't take for granted the gift that you have in having access to God's holy word, to the God-breathed word of Scripture. You know, in both the Old and New Testaments, both the Hebrew and the Greek, the word for breath is the same word as spirit, the same word as wind. Wind. Anywhere you see any of those words in the Bible, you can almost interchangeably see the word for breath or wind as well. For instance, in Genesis 1, when the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters, it is the Hebrew word ruach. And it can mean breath of God. It can mean the wind of God is hovering over the waters. When Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and he talks about how the Spirit is like the wind. It's something you cannot see, but you can feel He's using the word wind, but it's also the same word as spirit. The spirit of God moves in that way. And so when... Paul uses this word for Timothy, which is one of the only places in Scripture that it's used. It's, it's, it's the Greek word theos, which is God, and the Greek word pneuma, which is breath or wind or spirit, and he pushes them together into a compound word that becomes an adjective, and it means something that is breathed by God. It, it is the very Spirit of God comes to us through these words. The wind of God blows on us. It is the same breath of God that in Genesis 2, God took dirt from the ground, breathed in to it, and life was given to Adam, mankind, for the first time. I hope that you see that in Scripture. Not only that, but if you look at Ezekiel 37, where God breathes on the valley of dry bones and breath fills the lungs of those soldiers that are in this valley, and suddenly they begin to take on flesh and sinew and walk. If you see the way that when God breathes on humanity, that when God's spirit enters us, that there is a certain life that doesn't exist without it. That without the breath of God, we're nothing but tissue. But when God breathes in us, something happens. And God is still breathing in us with his breath through scripture today. God's word is oxygen for the body of Christ. It is what enables us to do what he calls us to do. And if you are ignoring it, you are underwater holding your breath hoping that everything works out. It's time to come up for air. It's time to breathe deeply, to allow the Word of God to live in you and to come through you. So what am I encouraging you to do? I'm encouraging you to inhale the breath of God, to take time to get close enough to where you can feel His breath on your face, where you can't hide and breathe deeply as you read the words of Scripture, as you hear them read, as you meditate on a phrase over and over again, whatever study you want to do. And then exhale that word of God onto your family members, onto your coworkers, over those you're sitting beside in a pew this morning. And just as Paul said to Timothy, just like our bodies are empowered as oxygen enters our bloodstream, the word of God, if we breathe it in deeply, will equip us for every good work. Everything that God is calling us to, every dream, every vision that he is giving us, if we breathe in the word of God, we will be equipped. I want to be equipped. I want you to be equipped. And I want this church to be equipped. So may we honor God's word May we do it through this challenge. May we do it far beyond. Let's stand together. During our time of invitation this morning... I want you to consider this challenge. Again, 5-1-1, five days a week personally spending time in Scripture, one day a week with your spouse if you're married with a good friend, if you aren't going through Scripture together in some way, and then one day a week with your entire family as much as you are able to go through the Word of God together. Commit to this challenge. Watch the way that spending time in the Word of God revolutionizes your life, and then be equipped for every good work. Pray about this challenge. You're going to be given, uh, Amy's going to be over here on the way out, Jared's going to be over here, Uh, Bill is going to be at the back, anybody who goes out that direction, take one of those envelopes, be willing to take that challenge, sign up for the gift basket on the way out if you would like to, but you have a gift in the word of God, please do not take it for granted. Meditate on that during this time, and if you need to pray about this or anything else this morning, I will be here to do that with you, and the altar will be open. I'm going to pray, Bill and Lynn are going to lead us in a song of invitation. And you move in whatever way God is telling you to. Father, once again, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the gift that is the book that we call the Bible. That these words that are full of your inspiration, that are full of your truth, that through them, God, you you breathe on us and you give us life. God, I, I, I confess and I repent for taking that for granted. And God, I pray that all of us that are in that boat, God, that you would fill us with a new conviction through your spirit. Cherish your word. And to lean on it in a chaotic world. God, thank you for the gift. Thank you for equipping us. God, put within this body a passion to be equipped by knowing your word. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.